Welcome to the Resilience Rising podcast with me, your host, Jen Scottney. With the help of my guests, we will be getting curious about what resilience is, how we develop it, and the times we've used it. This podcast is here to explore all things resilience. John Kelly is a father of four, has a PhD in electrical engineering and works as a data scientist. Oh, and he runs a bit. He says at high school he was good, but not a great runner. After a break of 10 years, he took on a marathon in 2013, described by him as an absolute disaster. He immediately thought he could do better and signed up to another one. What has followed in the intervening years is some of the most impressive feats and results in endurance running. He became the 15th finisher of the Barclay Marathons in 2017, having completed three loops in 2015 and four in 2016. In 2023, he finished the Barclay Marathons for a second time. He's won the 268-mile Montaigne Spine Race, set a new record on the Pennine Way, record of the Wainwrights Round and the 272-mile Long Trail in Vermont, to name just a tiny few of his results. In August 2020, John became the first person to complete the Grand Round, his feet involved running the Paddy Buckley, Bob Graham and Ramsey Rounds, as well as cycling in between them. John, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Look forward to catching up some. Yes, and I suppose what, what stri- I could have picked a lot of results and those FKTs and records that you've got, but I suppose what I find interesting is... I put that focus on the successes in the introduction and then generally speak to people and find out that we learn a lot more when things don't go to plan or when we've perceived that we've failed. So I just wondered for you, like what what are your successes that you would pick out? Yeah, that was a, a good selection of them. And, you know, for, for anyone listening who, who doesn't know, Jane uh, was a big part of my support uh, on a number of those. So uh, she might be able to ask some more pointed questions here than I did, so looking forward to that. But, it, you know, my my time in the UK was uh, a great one of, of being able to explore a lot of new challenges, a lot of new places, and, and so I, I really am uh, quite proud of those and, and cherish those memories, not, not only in terms of, of what I did, but what I was able to see and, and what I was able to experience uh, during that time. Uh, to, to Jen's point uh, on those, they uh, almost all involved at, at least one failure uh, starting off. Uh, most things I do, I think that the third times well, here in the U.S. we say third times the charm. I think in the U.K. you say third times lucky. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that pretty much holds true for your races. Yeah, it, it's uh, well, and I'm, I'm learning it's. I mean, I, I don't think it's it's just a saying. I think there's definitely some truth uh, to that pattern that, you know, you kind of have that first attempt to even just kind of become familiar uh, with what you're trying to do. And, and then a second attempt to kind of try out that strategy and, and probe some of the details of it. And then that third attempt uh, it's, is when you can really nail it. So, you know, I, I took three attempts to uh, finished Barkley and, and quite a number of other things that I've done. Uh, the grand round that Jen mentioned, I, I failed on my first attempt at that. I failed on my first attempt at the Wainwrights. 
my first attempt at the Penine Way. I, I technically didn't fail, um, but I also didn't do as well as I wanted. And I, I left uh, the record at a spot where uh, my my pal Damien Hall uh, came along and, and broke it a week later. And, and so I had to return to that the following year uh, to, to really put in a, a solid, uh, good effort on that. And how comfortable are you with those failures? Because I heard you describe yourself as a perfectionist on one podcast a while ago. And for me, I recognise that. But when I I think about those qualities, maybe that's not the right word, but personalities of being a perfectionist, I had a very big fear of failure. And it's taken me a while to challenge that. And so have you always been okay with, well, that was just getting some data and I'll come back stronger? Is that something that you've always had? Or have you learned that? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, that's that's something that I've, I've learned through doing these things, I think, is that even if your aim is perfection, which it really never can be on these things that are this big and complex, and that's part of what makes them fun. There, there will always be something uh, that could have gone a, a bit better, whether it's something that you did or it's just random chance, you know, you know, the, the weather or the underfoot conditions or, or anything else. But even if your goal is to get to perfection, uh, oftentimes the, the quickest way to that is is by failing uh, <laughs> a time or two uh, to begin with. You, you learn so much more from that. And if if I aim high and just, you know, jump, jump in the deep end right off the bat, then uh, I'm forced to learn a lot more uh, that can inform my next attempt. Uh, rather than starting off with something that is a bit smaller, uh, a bit easier, uh, where maybe I'm technically successful uh, in that goal, but I don't learn as much in that in the process, and I don't make as much progress towards my ultimate goal. So you know, you have to kind of be okay with. Uh, you know, my, my first attempt might not be as good, uh, but that's going to make my, my third attempt uh, far better than, than if I took small iterative steps. And that seems like a really healthy way to view running. And I wonder, just knowing ultra runners, and I guess this applies to other sports people, but a lot of people have their whole identity wrapped up in their results and the running and the outcomes and see it as such a catastrophic personal failure if they don't finish a race. I think we've all, well, I've certainly read a lot of blogs like that. And so how how have you kept that separate from like what you do to who you are or, or, or haven't you? It's just a different mindset. Yeah, it's it's definitely been been learning uh, to to do that as well. I'm, I'm at the point now where I'm much more able to to focus on that process and, and to focus on the events and experiences themselves. And again, my so it's it's very useful beforehand to have discrete, simple, well defined goals. That's that's highly motivating. It allows you to focus more. Uh, you know, my goal is to finish in such and such time or in or to win the race or, or top 10 or whatever your goal might be. It's it's very useful to have simple, discrete goals. But but then when I look at it after the fact, 
the actual outcome is, is on a spectrum and it has to take into account all of these factors, uh, uh, many of them unpredictable, like the weather, uh, all of these things that, that went into it. And, and it's very much that saying, you know, it's, it's not about where you are. It's about how far you've come. I think it's about how far you've come, uh, including all of the, the diversions you've had to take around obstacles, uh, in the way. And, so that has my goal has shifted much more to uh, after the fact, looking at it as how far did I come? How much did I learn? How much better did I get? And also focusing a lot more on things where I can look at it afterwards and say, wow, that was a really cool experience. I'm glad I got to do that. You know, it's like uh, Tortoise Young, which I just, um, you, you know, I fell short of my goal that for uh, for the third time. Uh, but I, I can look back at that and say, wow, I got to like run around the Alps for a few days and, uh, see all these incredible views and, uh, hang out in refugios and eat all the pizza and gelato. And I, I wanted, and I mean, that, that was, that was really cool. I, I enjoyed that. That was a great experience. But d- were you thinking that immediately as you finished or does that come with a bit of reflection? Like surely you can't just be walking off those guys shrugging and going, Oh, well, that was fun. Uh, it's oftentimes a, a bit of a shift in mindset during the race. And that's something where for a lot of things, it's, it's a shift in mindset to keep myself motivated. The most motivating goals are always the ones that are just out of reach. Uh, you know, if you have a goal that's too far, you're going to get discouraged and give up. If you have a goal that's too easy, you're like, why bother trying your hardest? Uh, and so for a lot of these things where I've, I've had difficulties, take hard rock, uh, last year, for example, uh, my, my goal was very much to, to finish in, in the top five, uh, at least I, I had some very bad altitude sickness, ended up uh, at an aid station just on the other side of the, the high point on the course, uh, puking there for four hours. Uh, and I, I dropped w- way down uh, house outside of the, the top 25. And as I, as I was there, my goal became, okay, John, just, just get up. At some point, you're going to get up and start moving again and, and you're going to finish this. You only have 50 K to go. Like you've, you, you, you can do this. Uh, you can you can move one step at a time and get to that finish. And eventually I did start moving and then I started moving a little bit better. So it was OK, you get, get back in that top 25. And, and then I did. And I was at that point, I was I was flying. You know, I, I scorched that section of the course about the same pace that Francois and Killian ran it in. Granted, they didn't have a four hour rest in the middle of the race um, before running that section. Uh, but you know, then it was, uh, can, can I move back in, into the top 10? And, and, and I did. And, and then it was, can I pass everyone that passed me while I was puking? And I didn't quite do that. I <laughs> came up two spots short of that. Um, but you know, it's, it's that kind of iterative process of, of adjusting the goal to keep it motivational and also sometimes even shifting what, you know, when I started to struggle so bad at Tortillant this year, it was, you know, can, can I just enjoy a lap around the Aosta Valley? Can, can I finish this, put myself in a position to, to move well, but also to uh, really enjoy the experience this time and, and to not be suffering through it. And, and so I ended up with a good result 
but I also ended up with one where I, I wasn't uh, a sleepwalking, miserable zombie uh, for the second half of the race. I, I rested a bit more and uh, took better care of myself than I otherwise would. And it was a very enjoyable experience. And, and I recovered much more quickly uh, after the race. Had I continued going all out 100% in pursuit of an out of reach goal, you know, at that point, I, I wasn't getting back on, on the podium. Mm. Have you had those finishes where you have had that miserable zombie death walk? Or do you get to the point where you think, well, I'm not going to enjoy this, so I won't carry on? Um, no, I've, I've very much had those finishes um, where it becomes very difficult to convince yourself to, to carry on is when those moments happen uh, in, in the middle of something or uh, particularly kind of the next to last section is usually the hardest where uh, you're kind of hitting your low point physically and mentally um, and you don't yet quite have the finish line within reach. To, <laughs> Adrenaline to hasn't kicked in. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, so that can be very difficult uh, when it, it gets near the end. <sighs> I've, I've def the spine finish was was actually probably my my best example of this where uh i was i was racing people pretty much the entire time i decided my strategy in that race was going to be to push at the front uh to make other people push to stay with me and so you know i was racing people uh throughout di different people that that stepped up to, to challenge me all the way until the last section um, where J Jason Cavill just mm. ran a phenomenal race and uh, he was hot on my heels um, going into that last section and, and starting into the Sheviots. I, I thought that he was the final stretch there. I, I thought he was still right behind me and I had been pushing hard, uh, harder than I had for, for quite a while uh, in that race. Uh, and I get all the way to... The, the hut at the end of the Sheviots where there's just a, I mean, you have one more tiny climb and then you drop down into Kirkyatum to the finish. There's just, you know, maybe 10 K. Yeah. If even that. Uh, and, and so, but I, I got to that hut and I, I'm wrecked. Like I'm physically wrecked, but mentally I'm still, I'm still charging. And, and then they tell me, Oh, Jason, Jason had, an issue you had some tendonitis and he, he dropped out a burness just before the Chivians. And, and so with that information, I'm not like, there's a 10 hour gap or something be between me and the next person. And so my, mentally my mind just says, no, like it's, it's not worth it anymore. Like you, you have no reason uh, to continue pushing yourself the way that you've been pushing it. All of that adrenaline leaves, all of that motivation leaves. I think I sat in hut two for like three hours, just, <laughs> just hanging out, just, you know, eating, resting a bit. I may have dozed off for a little while. Uh, by the time I got going again, it was the most miserable squad to finish. <laughs> it's all downhill. Felt. Come on. <laughs> uh, that, that last bit, I mean, even going into Kirk Young, where it's, you know, you're, you're on the road and it's just a very slight, gradual easy downhill and i'm just you know i'm limping along things that you know the adrenaline had been able to cover up the pain are, are now just throbbing and, and destroying me and um, i'm thinking that entire time like I, 
why why am I doing this? I'm never doing this again. <laughs> Absolutely no chance. I've never been this miserable. I I would give anything for the finish of this 268 mile race to be just like two miles closer. <laughs> that I, I will give anything. And you know, I, I finally got there and I, I sat in my plant pot and it, you know, it's just. <laughs> yeah, that that was a slog uh, for sure, but it was it was one that, that fortunately I was close enough to the finish uh, where really the easiest way to quit was to just go well, ahead and just finish. Finish. I mean, it's the quickest way out of that. But then you've done these FKTs where you're not, you don't have anybody chasing you. So is it because that was the go- the time is the goal and the record is the goal, and on that spine race it was just the placings? Like why why is it different for that one? Yeah, on the, the FKTs or, or the records, you have to think not only of, of the previous time, but you're effectively racing people in the future as well. So one of those future people could be hot on your heels and, and you don't know. Uh, and it's it's a matter of, of being able to keep that in mind. And it, it's, it's constantly a balance of uh, how, how much do you care? Uh, how much more uh, can, can you do? Uh, you know, that, that first, um, Penine way I did, it was, it was really just a, a matter of getting in uh, under the record. I, at that point, wasn't thinking about future people at all. Then Damien came and smashed my record. And, and so the next time I, uh, I, I very much did have that in mind, you know, someone probably Damien is, is going to come at this again and, and soon. <laughs> And and that's fine. Like these records have no meaning if other people aren't uh, going for them. And I, I very much want that to be the case. And I hope that someday someone breaks it. Uh, but I, I want to to put forward a good motivating benchmark, uh, something that they really have to work for the way that Damien did for me. I, I never would have ended up with the time that I did uh, had Damien not come through and, and smashed my record th- the first time. And then there's the grand round when I finished and had horrible tendonitis. I basically could not move downhill. I could go uphill just fine. But I it took me about three hours to get down from the Nevis uh, to, to the finish. And and at that point, all I had on my mind was just, just getting there. And, <laughs> I mean, we know. were all in bed willing you to <laughs> finish on your little dot coming down. That's the yeah. slowest descent I've ever cheered on. <laughs> <laughs> and I was I was already behind my time goal at, at that point. You know, I was on my time goal until about a third of the way through the Ramsey round. Mm. Uh, Storm Ellen mm. uh, came through and and absolutely smashed us, and I just I got knocked on um, a figurative cliff in, in terms of dropping off after that point. So uh, at that point, the, the goal became just just get there, just finish. Yeah. And just just going back to the Pennine Way one, because I was crewing you on that and the way that you, I'm trying to think when, I suppose when you came into Wessingdon and f- from there to the finish, like I've never really seen anybody in that state running. <laughs> like what goes on in those latter stages? For me, it looks like you're kind of, you're out of it a bit, a bit like you're on drugs or something akin to that. Um, like what are you doing to get through those latter stages? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I had, uh, looking back at the Penine Way, really my, my one kind of regret on it is, is a spot that I stopped, um, on, on that final night, 
uh, and and took about 40 minutes uh, where I, it was one of those where I ended up, I was basically stumbling along zombie walking. I, I was so sleep deprived and um, it was just, just South of Malum. Uh, it was in Gargrave actually. Um, and you know, at that situation, I should have stopped and tried to rest for, for 15 minutes or so. And, um, I got extremely cold and was shivering and I took the time to warm back up in, in the van. I didn't get much sleep. Um, I was there for probably 40, 45 minutes and, you know, the, the best thing at that point would have been to just continue on and warm back up through moving. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's a free 20 to 30 minutes for anyone uh, who wants to come after the record. Just, <laughs> just don't stop. And, you just got to do all the rest as well, but <laughs> yeah. At, at, at the end, it's, it's very much more, um, again, you, you do have that finish line drawing you in, uh, and at that point, it's it's tunnel vision focus. Like my mind is only able to to think of uh, a very limited number of things. And so, I mean, uh, for a stretch there, uh, it, you know, I was honestly like Marcus was um, my pacer in front of me. And I was just he had these bright, uh, I think, orange shoes on. And I was just or maybe they were green. I think Some they're the bright. yellow Scott ones. <laughs> Yeah, just some some bright neon color, and I was just fixated on those shoes. Just follow the shoes. Just the shoes <laughs> will take me to the finish, and, and that's all I could think about. And I also do have this point that is is probably what you're referring to at the end of most of these things. I, I kind of think of it as my my one last remaining power boost, my, my little cheat code that I, I can kind of put myself in this mentally detached state where my head is just kind of drifting in the clouds completely separate from reality and i put my legs on on cruise control and they just kind of automatically do their thing and in that way i i I get a burst i'm able to to keep moving for uh, a short amount of time I, i kind of had that uh, going into and out of the last four point on on the Wainwrights yeah. as well, yeah. but then uh, you know eventually uh, my my mind kind of figures out what I've done to it. It figures out that I've, I've tricked it and uh, w- what I'm actually doing, and at that that's the point at which I'm I'm just wrecked. There's there's nothing left, uh, nothing I can do, and I'm I'm kind of dragging myself to the finish. So I, I really have to time. <laughs> Uh, that that last little power boost quite well to, to use it effectively. Yeah, like you, you're like I suppose in that state it's yeah that you can't look after yourself. I'm like spoon feeding your custards or whatever. We like gave you a fork and you didn't know what to do with that. Um, but again, it's it's kind of an intention. Like I, I am intentionally. So when did you separating my mind from the situation that I'm in, so that I can just move forward. That, that's it like that is the only objective uh, of my body at that point that's the only task that it knows and but how do you how did you know you could do this how did you prepare for it how do you train do you visualize yourself doing this or where does it come from uh i mean yeah training building up to these things uh, over time uh all of these all of these tough spots uh, they they feed into to the future things where you're able to say to yourself, yeah, I've been in this situation before. Um, 
I can pull through this. I can come out the other side. I, I can even maybe come back a, a little stronger, at least at least for a short amount of time. Uh, you know, in, in road races, that what I call running uh, races of reasonable distance. Um, you know, the goal is to start at the finish line and uh, peak condition, or sorry, start at the starting line and, and peak condition. And then it's just a gradual uh, degradation throughout the race to where you want to hit the finish line just at your absolute low with, with nothing left. Uh, in ultras, you have a lot of ups and downs and you have to remind yourself, yeah, this this is a low point, but I can pop back out of this. I, I can get through to the other side. And, and previous experiences uh, are, are extremely useful in those situations uh, as our uh, crews and support runners, uh, people at aid stations, anyone who can kind of offer that, that sort of uh, external uh, bump uh, for you. And uh, yeah, just also a lot of a lot of analysis that, that I do in terms of, of what I've done before and what paces I can, can sustain over certain time periods and what paces other people have sustained over certain time periods and, and kind of figuring out what, what the best possible is. I, I think that theoretically probably a, another two hours can come off the Penine way. <laughs> um, you know, maybe. Fairly reasonably, uh, yeah. you know, with people with people running nearly, you know, the, the recent 30 sec, 35 seconds away from a sub legit sub two hour marathon uh, with those sort of things happening. I'm never going to say uh, what the limits are, but I, I think that there's recently another two hours to, to come off the nine way record. I mean, you didn't have the best conditions on the foot for that either. So no, there's and, definitely and so a lot that could could go your way if you try to get yeah that's for a that's minute. a big factor right there were some rough underfoot conditions it was um raining uh the, the last day uh pretty bad there was some rain and, and wind and, and some cold uh, i had to bundle up uh, for that you could argue it helped keep me awake but overall i think definitely not a benefit to, to be in those conditions and so if someone has everything go right uh, including myself, it, it, you know, if I went back and had everything go right, I could improve it a bit more, but I, I have to look at it at this point as, you know, there's there's a 10% chance that everything could go right and I could uh, do better. Uh, but there are also a lot of things there out of my control. Uh, and there are a lot of other things that I, I want to do um, yeah. where I still have a much higher percent chance of, of doing better. And I'm just, I'm really interested in your approach to the tough, when it gets tough and the pain. Because I think, like, I remember posting a video of you coming into that last checkpoint on the Wainwrights and you were just flying down that hill. And so many of the comments were like, that guy's not human, that guy's a machine, that guy's like, almost as if you just didn't feel it like the rest of us. But I I don't believe that. I believe you do feel the pain. But what what do you do with that? Is it do you have distraction techniques? Is it the switching off your mind, or do you have like a toolbox of I suppose leaning into the pain and and dealing with it another way? Uh, so that was 
that was very much in, in the middle of, of that little power boost that, that I just referenced. Yeah, I mean, but I just mean in general, not necessarily that yeah. one. I was just if, thinking if of those comments. A, a few a few peaks uh, before <laughs> that, I was uh, not not doing so well. And if you'd seen me a, a couple of peaks after that, uh, I was I was not doing so well. You know, I, I kind of wish I'd pushed myself under under five and a half days instead of squat we over but in a moment i was kind of just you know uh, that's an arbitrary number i'm just going to go a little bit slower and it, it'll be fine and those those last couple peaks were um that they well and then the long the, the long run uh back to keswick that you know I, I call the the finish of the bob grand round um the, the worst 10k on earth where it's just you know, <laughs> out there in the fells and then you have this uh, run on the flat road back into Keswick. I had that at the end of lane rides and, and that was rough, but, um, that state going into that last support point, I, I, I kept, kept that out nearly to the top of the next climb, which was the last big climb, you know, the last climb out of a support point, uh, before I, I really started to, to fall off again. So it's, it's a combination of, um, kind of distracting myself reminding myself that i've i've been there before and, and i can i can suddenly start feeling better um you know you can suddenly start feeling better with no explanation uh, the same way that you can suddenly start feeling worse uh, with with no explanation so there's uh, there, there's kind of a, a bucket of techniques that i use uh, including that sort of mentally detaching myself uh, method and, and just kind of drifting off and daydreaming of other things and, and pretending I'm, I'm not running. Uh, that's, that's really my, my last resort. Uh, so what, that's, that's, what are the other techniques? Uh, so I'm again, the, the biggest, the most common one is, is just kind of re reminding yourself how, how quickly you can pop back. Just, so just, just that self-talk mm. pop out on, on the other side. Uh, that's the most common one. Uh, another is, is zooming e even farther out. It, you know, it's, it can be overwhelming in these things to what I typically try to do is, is focus on one manageable chunk at a time, you, you know, that get to the next peak, get to the next support point, um, get to that tree over there at the mm. end of the field, like it, anything just to, to make it a manageable chunk and to ch chip away at those one at a time uh occasionally inevitably your your brain is going to zoom out and your brain it, it's going to say wait you, you have you have how much left uh it was when i hit my low point at tortoiseant this year and, and I, I was trying to think you did this at hard rock just well you were even worse at hard rock last year you know you you were you were absolutely done and you, you, you push through it, you did well, you finished strong. And then there's this other part of my mind that's saying, you still have one and a half entire hard rocks left. <laughs> you know, this is an entirely different beast. And so at some point that that stops working and, and I've learned to counter that, you know, if, if you have the little devil and angel on your shoulder in your mind here thinking about this, that the angel's countering that with, okay, let's zoom out even farther. You've you've been working at this. You've been training at this for for how long? You're 
your family, your support crew has, has put how much into this? And, and like weeks, months, years have gone into building up to this. And, and you're going to whine about having a day or two left. Like you're, you're almost at the finish line when you step to the start, if you think about it in in that context. And so that's, that's another thing that I, you know, I just, it, it's not much. It, it might sound like a lot when you think about what you still have to run a, a day in two days, two plus days. And then you think, well, it's, it's two days at the end of a, a year's long journey. That's, that's nothing. Just, just get through it. Uh, try to enjoy it as, as best you can uh, and, and do as well as you can. And, and that's that you, you can get this. Have there been any times like when you have joined those races where you really wanted to give up? And I suppose that comes back to what you've just been talking about, doesn't it? I I guess the the one other thing on this is, is it is, I'm very much not a, a death before DNF uh, type person. (laughs) Yeah. Cause you've had rabbilosis like Marcus, haven't you? And I I suppose, I heard you talk about ultras on one podcast about one thing that you liked was that kind of finding out who you are in those moments. And when you're really stripped down, I guess, in ultra running. Um, And I suppose for me, I mean, I've run ultras and, and felt that too. But coming out of ultras, I've not run them for years. And I wonder how healthy they are in terms of just the physical pressure that we're putting on our bodies and do you ever worry that you'll get into a state that you can't recover from or get an injury that you can't recover from does it cross your mind or are you always confident that you will come out unscathed after a few months recovery uh that's that's something that i i never think of beforehand i mean there's certainly how healthy ultras are in the long term is very much an open question. There's not much research, not much data available on that. That's another reason I kind of refer to um, the, the half marathon as the longest reasonable distance to run. If, if you're doing it purely for the enjoyment of running uh, or, or for health benefits, uh, beyond that, um, any benefits definitely uh, taper off, if not degrade. And so we're doing these things for other reasons. And so a big part of that is, is certainly uh, discovering these, these aspects uh, about myself that, that apply beyond running. A uh, big aspect is just getting to explore all, all these beautiful places and, and the limited amount of time that I have. Uh, but I, I never want to, uh, you know, knowingly, do something that is um, a, a high risk of, of harming my long-term health uh, or my long-term ability to do these things. And, and that's, so again, it's, it's not something that I'm, I'm thinking about uh, going into them. It's not something I'm, I'm thinking about during the process, but it's something that when you hit those tough spots uh, during races, you do have, have to, be able to to make that decision and and it's one of the biggest things that comes with experience is knowing uh whether this pain that you're experiencing is uh pain that you can push through uh and and be fine uh after recovery or if it's uh pain that that is actually 
doing harm, putting you at risk, uh, both in, in terms of potential permanent injury or, or actually harm to, to health. And so two tour de jeans ago was um, one of my, my only, I've only DNF'd at a, a normal non-Barkley race uh, twice. Uh, tour de Jean was in, in 2021, uh, was one of those. Uh, we're just uh, 50 miles into it and just a, a quarter of the way through the race by distance, uh, not even that far through the race by, by time. Uh, I ended up with uh, some very concerning uh, symptoms and, and difficulties that I uh, knew that they were not just normal uh, pain. They were not just normal difficulties that, that I could push through and it, and it ended up uh, being uh, rhabdo, which is something that you, you most often see in, in like, uh, just as an example, someone who starts CrossFit and goes way too hard, way too soon uh, before their, their body has really uh, built up that, that resilience and, and that training adaptation. Uh, no idea how I ended up with that. I've done races that are longer. I've run at higher intensity and altitudes and hotter conditions, like everything I've I've done more. And so uh, you can't just default to thinking that this is fine because you've done it before. Uh, there's a lot of variables and, and it could be in just some strange, unique combination of those variables that puts you in that situation. What rhabdo effectively is, is, is your muscle tissue starts breaking down so quickly that your liver or, or sorry, your kidneys uh, can't keep up with processing the waste from that breakdown. And so if you continue on pushing past that point, uh, it can lead to kidney failure, which, you know, it's it's kind of a big deal. Um, you kind of need your kidneys. Um, and so I'm, I'm certainly glad that I stopped at that point. Uh, I, I got back to a, a hotel room and uh, took care of myself, started drinking about a, a liter of water an hour over the next few days to, to flush all of that out. Uh, and and recover from that. Whereas if I that's something that if I had tried to push past it, it could have been some some very serious consequences. Mm, yeah, Marcus has had some experiences with that as well, and and similar. Not not sure where it's come from on so this year on the Lakeland Hundred. And so just widening out what what we get from ultra running, like how how relevant is it to the rest of your life? Because on one hand sometimes when I've been sulking at giving up running, I'm like, well, it's just running around in a circle and didn't really mean that much. But it, it, is, it isn't just that, or it wasn't really for me. So what's, what does running bring into the rest of your life? And can we say that doing these hard things and challenging yourself running does help for those challenging times in other areas? Yeah, I mean, it, it absolutely uh is a big part of it for me and, and this it, it's it's very easy to, to have those thoughts that you mentioned uh, especially while you're out there in some of those low points and it's also a reason that it, you know when i know i know they mean well and they're being very supportive and i appreciate that but way you know i get comment comments like oh a hero and and, and that sort of thing um, 
and you know i'm just running around out <laughs> through the woods like, you know um, i mean you can say it like that can't you and I, and sometimes when i people that i think are taking it a little bit too seriously in terms of more going back to that identity and their whole what self-worth is whether they get hit this number on a right you're like you're just running in a circle yeah <laughs> running and, along and, a path <laughs> but but it means but, more doesn't it <laughs> Right. And, and so it, it maps back to a lot of things uh, in life. My, my job, uh, my, my role as, as a father and, and a husband and, and things that I improve on uh, while I'm out there, things that I learn that I'm capable of, uh, things that I learn that are weaknesses of mine and I need to be uh, wary of and, and need to know how to deal with in real life situations that do matter. And I really look at it as, well, and, and hopefully, especially as they get older, to, to understand it, motivating my kids to, to go out and do hard things, to pursue things that they're passionate about, to not be afraid of failure. And so that kind of carry forward aspect of it as well. But I, I look at it as, you know, just running around in the woods, but doing it uh, in a way that is really pushing myself to my limit, uh, to where I do learn these things. And I am forced to be in situations that most of us in modern life don't really face those sorts of situations where we're at our limit. Uh, where we're facing imminent danger and, and have to deal with these high pressure, uh, extremely difficult situations. You, you know, we're, we're not getting chased by a lion. We're, we're not in a war zone. Uh, relatively speaking, uh, we, most of us are fortunate to have, uh, lives with, without those sort of risks and, and dangers. And so this is an opportunity. Uh, to still learn some of those lessons and, and to put ourselves in those difficult situations uh, without there being any real danger. You, you know, again, people, people when, when people refer to some of the things that I do as, as battles or, or I'm a soldier or something, and, you know, like no one's chucking grenades at me as I go up ratchet. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's just bribes. They're not, they're not going to kill me. <laughs> and um yeah i think that's quite a refreshing perspective sometimes with runners who can take it all very seriously what like how what else do you do outside running i'm always inspired well i think before i've been inspired by people that are so focused on running that you just have this one passion in life and really go for it but since I can't run anymore, I've had to explore other things and go back to old hobbies and, and, and also get used to being not good at stuff and not competitive and, and trying new things. And I'm always, yeah, interested in, in what sort of other activities you do. Are you, do you have things that you do for fun that aren't competitive? Do you try new hobbies? I remember like you've you've done triathlons in the past and I think you mentioned some other sports but what what are you up to now what would happen if you couldn't run tomorrow uh so I mean I well I, I get a lot of my to-do list on, on my house here done a lot more quickly which is uh <laughs> it consumed a lot of uh what little available remaining time I have uh over the past year but uh it's 
you know, I, I'd shift, I'd, I'd find a, a new hobby or, or some combination of hobbies where, where I am right now. I've, uh, I have, uh, in order to do running and, and in order to do it at the level that I want to do it, my life is effectively, you know, family job and, and running. And, and I've eliminated uh, other hobbies and, and that's uh, a choice. That's, that's how I want to do things right now. Uh, there will certainly come a day where I'm, you know, whether uh, something, whether there's an injury or I just get too old to do these things competitively, uh, you know, that there will be uh, other things that uh, I I pick up and do. And, and my own hobbies and focuses have, have shifted over the course of my life. You know, I was once a, uh, a fairly competitive water skier. I was once a pretty serious World of Warcraft player. Uh, and it's just a, a matter of, of circumstances and, and what we're able to focus on and, and what we enjoy focusing on in the moment. But running, it is easy for it to become all-consuming and, and to somehow connect our, our worth to our results. And my own journey through Barclay uh, is, is a good illustration of that where the first time in particular, I didn't know what I was doing. And I was, it was an all consuming focus of trying to train for it, of trying to prepare for it. And just, you know, I have to finish, I have to do this. Uh, and, and that was, that was effectively the only goal and the outcome of the race. Did I finish or not? Whereas now I, I look at these things uh, like Tortoise, you know, like, like Barclay and, especially Barkley because it's it's so close to me now um such an easy trip it's my family's still there so it doubles as a trip to visit family and uh, I, I get to uh, go out and explore the woods and the mountains I love and some areas that I wouldn't otherwise be permitted to to explore uh, I get to show my backyard to people from from all over the world and, and kind of show that off and, and play tour guide a bit and so it's it's a great experience. It's something that that regardless of the outcome, uh, I I love the experience, and I, I look forward to just being out there and, and being a, a part of it. Yeah, I always get the impression that even if races and FKTs didn't exist, you'd be out there anyway because you just love being out in the the scenery and the landscapes. And I guess that would probably having that motivation. Well, just that. It help, makes it easier to enjoy the process rather than just focus on the outcome, doesn't it? If you're out training in places that you love, like yeah, and yeah, you know, if, if I weren't once I'm no longer competitive, my my priorities and what types of events I, I do will will probably shift a bit. Right now, while I'm still capable of it, I, I want to put the benchmarks out there both for myself and for others to to give them a. Uh, a good motivational target to to shoot for to to try to beat my records in, in the future and, and see how far we we can progress on uh, some of these things. Yeah, like Barkley always strikes me as being such a collaborative effort in the race. Like it seems some an event where it's more acceptable to follow people and and use their strengths and perhaps not in other races. Um, like how much, yes. how much is running endurance running collaborative and how much is that competitive fighting? It, it certainly can be. Uh, and so Barclays is such an interesting thing because it, it adapts 
uh, to the runners. You, you know, we're, we're constantly improving. We're constantly uh, improving our training, uh, our race experience and strategy, the, the gear that we have. You know, people doing Barkley in the old days, they were carrying around like carbide mining leaps uh, as, as their riding source out there. Little, you know, bum bags was the best thing that they had. Uh, you know, there were no ultra running vests. There were no LED uh, head torches. There, there were no trail running shoes. I know. Have you not seen the old photos of Marcus or interiorring with his massive lamps? <laughs> so, you know, as, as these things have progressed, the difficulty of Barkley has progressed to match that. And it's, it's a bit of a, a fun little uh, chess match or an arms race where once uh, the runners figure out a strategy uh, that helps the race adapts and then that strategy makes it uh, is no longer an option. It, it becomes mandatory. Uh, you know, like I was the first year I finished was really, I was the first person to do the strategy of my, my interloop period, my, my changeover between loops. I had my crew come to the gate with my stuff and I sat down at the gate uh, to where I didn't have to go back to my campsite and then from my campsite back to the gate. And now uh, that area is is blocked off for runners to do that. And if, if you're a runner who wants to finish, right, you pretty much have to do that. You can't sleep as much as you used to be able to do. All of these strategies that improve now become mandatory and, and working together is effectively one of those. And it's shown, it's a, it's especially true in Barclay because of the navigational difficulties where you're able to correct each other's careless, stupid mistakes, especially when you get sleep deprived. But in any sort of event like this, um, research has shown that it's you're mentally able to, to push more, to remain more focused and more motivated uh, when you're with someone. And so these partnerships, these alliances of convenience uh, do definitely form. And you, you have to be able to recognize that point at, at which uh, it's, it's no longer convenient. Uh, and the, the downsides start to outweigh uh, the benefits, whether you're just no longer moving at the same pace or one person is starting to become uh, very sort of uh, mentally discouraged and, and down about things. And you can definitely uh, can and should attempt to encourage them and bring them back. But if you can't, that, that stuff's contagious. You, you know, once that stuff gets in, in your mind, it's it's difficult to get it back out. So uh, it's it's a careful balance uh, being able to uh, form those partnerships, but but then move on from them uh, when necessary. Yeah. And can I just ask you a little bit about your training? Like, obviously, I've seen how much you prepare for the events and and the spreadsheets and things like that. But I wasn't sure how much that is constant in your training. And also in your, I mean, with technology now, we can constantly monitor our HRV, our sleep, our heart rates and things. And I just wondered how much that is part of your training. Uh, I, I do provide that data to my coach. Um, at, at this point, though, I, I pretty much just do whatever my coach tells me to. And leaving that to him has just been a, a huge uh, uh, offloading of, of a burden to me. I, I used to do my 
um, plans and um, do them in a fair amount of, of detail. And uh, I've been working with, with David Roach for four and a half years now, about. And one of the biggest parts of that for me was just like we're all dealing with it with so much stress and other things, other responsibilities in our life that uh, it's it's difficult to to have the time uh, to to do that sort of thing properly, uh, and to also have the confidence to not have the stress uh, effectively grow on itself where you know you might make the plan but then you're constantly second guessing yourself oh did, did i do the right thing did i do enough of the right thing did i do too much of, of the, the wrong thing um and and by basically just giving that to my coach and, and releasing it from myself that that has been uh, just a, an enormous uh stress relief uh for me and, and not having to worry about that Ah, okay. I wondered why you had a coach and I was expecting you to more want that control over what you were doing and, and you've clearly got the knowledge, but you're happy to delegate that to somebody else and take it off your plate. Yeah, I mean, at, at some point, whether it's in uh, running or, you know, your your professional career or whatever, you, you have to, to realise that we we form teams and, and we form teams for a reason that not no one can be the best at everything and no one has time for everything. So, you know, we, we specialize and we get good at what we are good at um, and what we want to be good at. And, and we have to be able to uh, trust others uh, in in other areas to, to really collectively do uh, the, the best that we can. And, and for me doing these big, these big efforts, that's, that's been my coach. That's been my family. That's been uh, you and, and others uh, as, as support, both on, on the road and out running with me. Uh, and, and, you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll go into these things and I'll, I'll have support crew that I've, I've never met before. I, I don't mm. know. Uh, most pretty much my entire crew for the long trail that I did a few months ago. I, I didn't know them beforehand and, and you have to uh, be willing to, to place that trust and you have to be willing uh, to, to take these, these big risks if you're aiming for the, the big reward. Just widening it out to resilience. I mean, do you believe that you're a resilient person and, and what does that look like for you? I do. I don't know if it's resilience so much as it's stubbornness. Um, I think <laughs> there might be slight de- differences in, in those definitions where, you know, you know resilience is uh, able to to bounce back with the same mindset and, and focus and effectively being uh, unaffected by, by the shortcomings, whereas as stubbornness might be uh, pushing on with uh, the same drive and, and motivation possibly even more so um, because of, of those shortcomings. And, and so your, your, your mental state might not be as good, um, but the, the end result uh, could, could be the same. And I, I think that that's something that I've always had, um, but both resilience uh, and stubbornness, I think. Well, no, I, I actually, I, I'd say that as I've done these things, maybe by that definition I just gave, um, 
a lot of my stubbornness has has transformed into resilience and again that's that's a matter of of knowing that you can still do this like yeah i've had setbacks maybe i failed this particular time i'm I'm at a low point right now uh but i can i can bounce back from this I, i can get through this whereas the the stubborn mindset of you know i I don't know if i can but i'm going to keep going regardless and we'll see we'll see what happens i mean i guess with a stubborn mindset then you might have pushed through that tour de giard and done some serious damage to yourself or you know you see people finish races with stress fractures and and long-term injuries and and is that resilience or is that you know is the resilience in thinking this isn't my day, I'm going to come back another time and, and accepting those weaknesses. I'd say that's preferable to yeah. stubbornness. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what's coming up, John? <laughs> or is it, do you not have a race plan for, for next year yet? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's it's very difficult here uh, uh, on the, the North American side of the ocean to, to plan our, our full calendar for the year before the Hard Rock and Western States lotteries. Mm. Uh, I, you know, if, if I get into one of those, then I, I have to take the opportunity to to do that. Uh, uh, if I don't, how do you choose? Because I mean, there's so many races out there and so limited in terms of time. Um, how do you pick what you want to do? Uh, so it's. A number of factors. One, the, the things that I view as uh, those challenges that are just uh, outside my reach, things that will be very difficult, but maybe I'm capable of, and, and it will keep me motivated to, to push towards that limit. Uh, others, things that I I enjoy the experience. You know, I, I want to be able to uh, regardless of the outcome, uh, look at it as uh, something where I, I enjoyed the experience and I'm, I'm glad that I did it. Um, time commitment and uh, effect on my family is, is definitely a factor there as well. When I did Hard Rock last year and, and we were able to uh, essentially t- take a family holiday uh, out to Colorado leading up to the race and, and then have them there for the race, that was uh that, that was really great for that. Um, that, that is one of the, the big difficulties for me on, on Tour de Chiant, but I also admit I'm, my, my stubbornness is, is a bit in play there, and I'm, I'm a bit obsessed with uh, getting a good result there uh, at this point. And, and I do. I just I love, love the area, love the experience, the mountains, the people, the food. Um, it's stunning. I mean, it's certainly a race that a lot of people go back to. But when you say, like, what what does success look like for for a race there? What would you be happy with? Are you talk, are you setting um, placing or are you setting time yeah. goals? Yeah, at this point, I, I'd well, I mean, I'd, I'd be happy with um, a, a, a podium finish for, for sure. But it, you always have to to be, you know, you don't control who yeah. else is there. You know, if, if if I were to go out there and, and you know go under seventy two hours and not finish on the podium, then uh, you know, like, what? Well done uh, to to those those five plus people that, that beat me. Uh, you know, so uh, there, there's always a, a bit of both of those. Um, that that again goes back to what I said early on of, of setting these 
discrete goals, uh, these simple goals ahead of time, but then having um, the outcome measured on a spectrum. And so my goal going into it might be to finish on the podium, but then the outcome, looking at it after the fact, if I finished in in under 72 hours and didn't podium, then, you know, okay. Or like looking at hard rock where uh, the result that I had uh, and and still clawing my way back in, into the top 10, that's that's a great outcome to me, as is really towards a yacht this year where I, I was I was quite convinced that I was done, that, that I was going to quit. Um, yeah, happened to run into to Stephanie Case at, at an aid station. She convinced me to uh, carry on, and, and I, uh, you know, I, I had a strong finish from there, even if I did stop to nap a bit more than I would have <laughs> if, if I were still in contention. <laughs> Sounded a bit of a roller coaster at the race. <laughs> and yeah, anything in the UK? Any, any trips back or not? Nothing decided yet. Yeah, uh, definitely would would like to. Uh, you know, I have some. Some long-term ideas for other projects there. I, despite what I said about swearing off the, the spine as I was finishing, I would like to uh, get back and experience that again and, and see how well I can do with um, the the added uh, experience I've gained since then, um, both race experience and my knowledge of, of the Penine Wave, of course. Uh, so, so we'll see how that goes. Obviously, those things are... It's just a bit more difficult for me to mm. uh, get to now. I don't want to be um, flying all over the place uh, multiple times a year at this point, but sometimes maybe if I can combine them with things, uh, then then that can be a, a, a good option. And my, my company is still located uh, in the UK, so if I could combine a, a work trip with a running trip, then, then that could uh, work quite well. And sorry, just one more question, just thinking about those races. When you when you're going into those races, are you do you get nervous? Do you get anxious? Is it just excitement? Like how how does it work for you going into a race? Yeah, I think that's been another part of my my development uh, over the years. And, and again, looking at my my first Barkley, where I was uh, extremely nervous and had no idea what I was doing, and, and a bit scared to, to be honest. Uh, maybe a, a bit more, well, definitely a, a bit more confident, just knowledgeable going into the second one where I, I, I had, there were less unknowns for me to worry about, um, but still pretty nervous. And, and even the third one, like confident, but still a lot of pressure to finish. And, and whereas right now, like um, I'm, I'm out there to to enjoy the experience, and, and I know that um, it, it's the outcome will will be what it is. There's there's nothing really at that point uh, that uh, my my nervousness can help uh, in in terms of things that I can do different or, or prepare differently. You know, you, you you're at the start line with the training that you had, not the training that that you wish you had. Uh, so at that point, it's a matter of accepting um, whatever the circumstances are. Uh, you're there. Uh, you're you're going to do it. 
uh, and, and you're going to do the best that you can. So, uh, no, I, I'd say especially the things that I do, I'm very much looking forward to it. And if anything, I'm just a bit antsy standing there. Like, can we get going? All right. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much, John. Oh, John, is there a book coming out? I think, I think that's all we've been asking you for years. <laughs> no, maybe, maybe many, many years down the road. <laughs> I think there was a rumour that we all started a new Wainwright so that every pacer was asking you about this book. <laughs> oh, well, please write a book. And um, yeah, thank Yeah, I mean, it uh, can maybe be... Uh, piece together uh, social media and, and blog posts and, and some <laughs> sort of compilation. And I haven't, I haven't had time even from, from my blog as, as much as I, I once did. I'm, I'm still behind on it. I, I still need to put up both my, my long trail post and my, my tortoise yacht post there. <laughs> oh yes. Well, thank you for talking about those. You've done so many podcasts. So I do feel like I have talked to, um, heard about those, maybe not, um, but thank you for your time it was lovely to chat to you in a very awake state (laughs) (laughs) and not in a lay-by somewhere but (laughs) thank you so much john thank you (laughs) thank you for listening to the resilience rising podcast if you have enjoyed this episode please do help people find us by hitting subscribe leaving a review or sharing us with others thank you so much and see you next time on the resilience rising podcast